everyone, and welcome to the More Deadly Podcast, where we review horror movies directed exclusively by women-identified directors, which prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is one of my favorite people, the one and only, and maybe the most haunted person I know, Ariel. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> hey, girl. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah, yeah. That's good to hear. So, okay. First things first. Today, we're going to be reviewing a movie called Things Hearn Had Seen, and I wanted to know, <laughs> was this movie <laughs> triggering for you because of your ghost situation? I feel like the ghosts in this movie were a little more helpful than mine are. <laughs> but did they get a pan pizza? <laughs> that is a good point. No mm. food was provided by the ghosts in the movie. <laughs> that is true. Jewelry, but no food. Yeah, so, true. Okay, that's my roundabout way of asking. What's, what's the updates? Okay, so last time we talked, you convinced me that I needed to get a camera for outside my apartment. Yes. A surveillance camera. Yes. Yes. Do we have an update <laughs> on surveillance state? Well, sort of. I ordered okay. one. I ordered a cheap one and okay. I put it outside my apartment and then I got a letter on my door the next morning saying <gasps> I had to take it down. No. Okay, so somebody saw it, which yeah. is interesting. The building manager walks around the apartments to make sure you're you know doing what you're supposed to be doing okay and apparently you're not allowed to have surveillance cameras or other things that are attached to the building so boo okay. i didn't get any pictures so <laughs> do you have a peephole in your door yeah yeah i have a peephole could you put the camera on the peephole oh so it's inside. i don't know that never occurred to me he wouldn't know it was there I mean, it would mean you need to, if you're someone who looks out the people, although I guess you could just look on the camera and see if you need to look out the people. Yeah. So you could just put the camera on the people. Huh. You'd still be able to see what you need to see. Yeah. That's a good point. I might give that a try. <laughs> but yeah, we need to get some tech on this because I, I feel like we're not going to have any answers until we catch either a personal pan pizza floating down the hallway on its own. Or right. the person that's delivering it. That's delivering it because I got another one. <gasps> what? You got another one? Okay, yeah. what okay, what is the topping situation on this one? Is just it still cheese. just cheese? Just a single cheese pizza sitting on my doorstep when I came back from a walk. Okay, this is not a this 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 is the thing. This is not a mistake. <laughs> like somebody was trying to order it to their apartment and it went to the wrong one. Twice is a coincidence, three times is a pattern. Right. So yeah, you might be right about that. I still so, don't understand it, but. <laughs> so really, now the only question is, is it a ghost or is it a human? And if it is a human, we need to know which one. <laughs> this is some weird, like, they're presenting. You know what I mean? Like, this is some weird, you know, bread-based fertility dance. I don't oh, know. God. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm telling you. There's something going on with this pizza thing. And I oh, it's all the more reason. And now, did you eat the pizza yet? I have not eaten the pizza. Are you tempted to eat the pizza? Of course I'm tempted to eat the pizza. It's pizza. Yes. Now, is it is it a homemade pizza or is it a from a place kind it of pizza? It definitely looks like it's from Round Table. Oh, Round Table makes good pizza, too. Yeah, it's the last honest pizza. So, <laughs> okay. I think the next step is to get the camera on the people. All right. I'm going to give it a try. Oh, this is so great. 
<laughs> you have no idea the joy this is bringing into my life, Ariel. If it's not clear, I am delighted at this, that we're, we're moving forward. We've had a little setback, but that's okay. We're going to overcome. Okay. We're going to get that <laughs> camera on the people. It. Yes. Gotcha. And I, I, I mean, part of me is wants it to be some suitor who understands the power <laughs> of pizza. Uh-huh. But the other part of me is like, you, what if you get proof of ghost activity? Isn't there someone who offers a million dollars to anybody that can prove that there's ghost I don't activity? Know, but that would be amazing. <laughs> like, this could be your retirement plan if you can get, you know, pizza ghost on camera. <laughs> Pizza Ghost, that's his yes! name. <laughs> I, pizza Ghost is his name. So if you can prove that Pizza Ghost is real, you're a millionaire. Okay. Or you're going to find out who has a crush on you and really next level wooing skills. <laughs> so I see this as a win-win-win. Plus, you'll know whether or not you can eat the pizza. Because oh. if it's like Pizza Ghosted, eat that pizza. Right. If it's Suter Ghost or Suter Pizza, depending on the Suter eat that pizza (laughs) okay have you thought about leaving a post-it thank you note on the door like hey whoever from whoever's been giving me the pizza thank you to see if they respond that's not a bad idea i could give that a go i don't know how you are not thinking of these things because i would be obsessing over them (laughs) if somebody was just (laughs) delivering pizzas to my doorstep (laughs) literally that's where 99 percent of my brain would be at all times okay yes yes I would have some Rube Goldberg style trap. I would come out in the morning and someone would be hanging from a net from on my porch. Oh my goodness. No, I don't know. None of this stuff occurred to me. I was just sort of like, huh, that's weird. <laughs> I can't believe it happened again. And then I moved I mean, on with my I day. I feel like that sentence in its in and of itself is the how the difference between your existence and my existence. <laughs> Weird shit happens to you so regularly that when you have ghost pizza arriving on your doorstep, you're just like, huh, look at that. (laughs) What do you know? It's Tuesday. (laughs) I guess that's true. Since I think since living here in particular these last few years, Uh my tolerance for weirdness has maybe increased. Right. I'm worried it's just covered in Lady Viagra and they're trying to get you into the naked nudie neighbor party. No. No. (laughs) I'm not a never nude like you are, but that's not going to happen. (laughs) What if it turns out it's one of the frat boy neighbors? Oh, God. Definitely don't eat the pizza. No. No, that's, that's like, like a recipe to be roofied, right? I would say that's roofy pizza. That's not yeah. cheese pizza. That's roofy pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Don't eat that. <laughs> wow, this took a turn. Oh, all right, well, keep us posted. I'm very invested in the saga of Pizza Ghost. All right, I will let you know. Yes, please. All right. So as I mentioned, we're going to be reviewing the movie Things Heard and Seen, directed by Sherry Springer Bierman and Robert Pulcini. Did I get that right? Yep. Yes. Now, this was an aerial pick. What made you decide to select this here movie film? So I really like Amanda Seyfried. Yes, she's great. And James Norton. I love him, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I thought, yeah, let's watch this one. I mean, totally it's easily valid. accessible on Netflix, and I love the two stars. So, yeah. yeah. This was a departure for Norton. I'm used to him as the sweet, handsome priest. Oh, Solving yeah. Solving mysteries. Yeah. Well, he was also on Happy Valley, though. Oh, and... I didn't see... Was he scary on Happy Valley? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So this is... 
un- not unfamiliar territory. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, the only thing I think I've seen him in was the crime solving priest Mm -hmm. where he's just listening to jazz and trying to resist humping his childhood (laughs) sweetheart. That is what I know him as. So this movie was a departure for me. And I was like, Oh, Oh, someone has some range. All right. Okay. This is different. All right. But we'll get into that. So before we do that though, let's stop myself and let our listeners know what our spoiler policy is here. All right. So our spoiler policy is that we will give you a short review telling you whether this movie is worth checking out. And then we're going to get into spoiler territory. And at that point, we're going to talk about the whole movie. And we almost always, well, we always talk about the ending. So right. <laughs> if that's something that bothers you, go watch this movie. It's on Netflix. And then come back and finish listening to the podcast. Otherwise, just stick with us and see what we think. Yeah. I mean, this one definitely has some twists. So oh, it yeah. is spoilable. Some yes. movies, you're just like, I know where this is going. But this one, uh, yeah, this one has a couple twists in it. So if that's it's worth maybe seeing before that, if that's something that would bother you. Yeah. All right. Cool. So before we get into any of that, though, can you tell me a little bit about our directors and if you have any information about the production of this movie? I'd love to hear all the background goodies. Yeah. Okay. So things heard and seen, like Rachel said, was directed by a husband and wife team, Sherry Springer Berman and Robert Polcini. So. Sherry Springer Berman is a Jewish American filmmaker from New York. She went to Wellesleyan University and then she received her master's degree in film from Columbia, where her husband also got his degree. You may have heard of these two before because they actually have done some pretty big movies in the past. Their first breakout hit was in 2003 with the feature film American Splendor. Do you remember that one? Is that the one about the comic book yeah oh yes i have yes i have seen that okay (laughs) yeah so they both wrote and directed that one together and it won a ton of awards and the two of them were actually nominated for an academy award for best screenplay so after that they went on to direct more feature-length films including the nanny diaries the extra man girl most likely and Ten Thousand saints And then more recently, they've directed episodes of Shameless and Succession. Oh, so nothing. I've seen nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, these, I'm sure, are all excellent, worthy things, but. Yeah. 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 And is there a ghost in it? Is is there torture? Is there anything like that? No. I'm good. (laughs) No. Definitely no torture in the Nanny Diaries, I don't think. (laughs) I mean, if there was, though, that could be dope. That's true. Mm-hmm. Different twist. Right. <laughs> so the two of them both directed Things Heard and Seen, as well as writing the adaptation from the original novel. So the movie mm. is actually based on a novel that was critically acclaimed. It's called All Things Cease to Appear by Elizabeth Brundage. And I actually mm. think that's a better title. Yeah. I mean, considering where this what this is about. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I also have some information about what the book was based on, but uh-huh. I'm going to get into that once we get into spoilery stuff, because it oh. would kind of give away some of the twists of the actual movie. Okay, that's great. I mean, definitely don't spoil it, but I found myself very curious how much of this was real world and how much of it was show movie invention. Yeah, so I'm excited to hear more about it. Because this this has a it's like, takes a different little twist on hauntings. So. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
So the pair were initially drawn to the book because of the feminist bent of the story, which is centered on a woman who's not believed by her husband. And they liked that it had gothic elements, like they said, the turn of the screw, but that it did something new, too. Mm-hmm. And Sherry Springer Berman said specifically that she was really drawn to directing a film about the dissolution of a marriage. Mm, well, Robert better pay <laughs> We call that a red flag, Robert. <laughs> Something to look out JK. for. JK. <laughs> So they also cited a few movies that they got a lot of inspiration from, horror uh-huh. movies that they watched prior to actually making the film. And they uh-huh. were Rosemary's Baby. Okay, I can see that. The Changeling. Okay, interesting. Don't Look Now. I think that one makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What Lies Beneath. Mm-hmm. And The Others. Interesting. I When we get into it, I actually had a couple different movies that I was thinking about when I was watching this. But Me too. Yeah. Okay. It'll be interesting to see what our crossover is. I'm guessing I know one of them for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So when asked why she was drawn to horror and why she wanted to make this movie, she said in an interview with NightmarishConjurings.com, she said, and also the idea that it allows you to explore some kind of societal issue. In Rosemary's Baby, it coincided with the release of the birth control pill. And it was like suddenly these women had control of their sexuality. And also just the fear of having a child, it's terrifying. This was about the fear of a marriage, which can be really terrifying, and that real life is kind of terrifying even more than you know. So I like using those ways to explore it. And I think that that's something that we've touched on a million times, Mm -hmm. that horror movies really are a great way to explore those social issues and that people who complain about supposed message movies and horror clearly have not been paying attention bless your heart (laughs) (laughs) exactly so the movie was actually shot in the hudson river valley in new york and that's mentioned in the film the couple themselves have a home there in real life and actually a few of the actors live there too Uh, apparently amanda seafried lives there oh i mean it's beautiful right Right. So, but they had to find places for the rest of the cast and crew to stay while they were filming. And mm-hmm. apparently that proved really difficult because they filmed during what is called leaf peeping season. Oh, the peepers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know about the peepers. I had never heard that term before, but apparently it's what they call it when tourists come to see the leaves change on the East Coast. I would love to peep, but I don't know that I want to be called a peeper. Yeah, I mean, that has a very different connotation <laughs> for me. That we're, yes. like, Night Stalker level. Yeah. Like, I'm going <laughs> to be exactly called a peeper. where my brain goes to. Yes. <laughs> Creepy peepers. No, no, no. Yeah. So just one little silly fact, too, is that the house that the movie was filmed in, it, they actually filmed in a real farmhouse in the mm-hmm. Hudson River Valley. Awesome. And apparently they knew that they had found the right one, one, because of how it looked, but also because it was on Skunk's Misery Road. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that is a street name. Right? <laughs> Skunk's Misery Road. That sounds like where you live. <laughs> I'd say for people who don't know this about Ariel, she's like the only, per- she is the only person on this planet that has been skunked not once, but twice inside her own bedroom. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Sadly, you are not wrong about that. <laughs> oh, geez. 
All right. Another thing that I thought was really interesting about the movie is that it keeps referencing this specific painter, George Ennis, as well as a spiritualist that he was influenced by named Emanuel Swedenborg. And Mm -hmm. I know that you were curious to know if those were real people. Yes. And they are. (laughs) That's so interesting. Yeah. He's a real painter. And he was part of the Hudson River School of Artists, which focused mostly on landscapes in that area. And the paintings that you see in the film, the main one that they focus on that has that sort of glowing cross and the one that you see at the end and the paintings that you see in the museum, those are all real paintings that he did. That's so interesting. I need to look up his art because it is really creepy and cool. I agree. I really kind of wanted to get some of them after I checked them out because they are really beautiful and there is something sort of haunting about them. Oh, yeah, for sure. So Emanuel Swedenborg is actually a spiritualist who claimed to speak to angels and devils and spirits and believe that the spiritual world is sort of ever present and constantly sort of among us and that we have a connection to it. And that it's expressed through nature, that you can Mm. feel the spiritual world through nature. And I guess there were a ton of followers of his beliefs, and Uh he wrote about them in the book that the wife reads during the film. So that is a real book, too. Yep. That is really cool. Yeah. Okay, so more about the production. They filmed this in 2019 prior to the pandemic, but then they got stuck editing it during the pandemic. And so they had to do all of that virtually, which I guess, I mean, it kind of sounds like it'd be very complicated. And they said that it, it made things very challenging. But one of the things that they talked about being challenging was something that I hadn't ever really thought about, which is that one of the ways that directors get feedback about the movie before it actually gets a release is by doing test screenings of the film. So that you would normally have these test screenings where you could actually sit in the audience and watch people's reactions. Sherry Springer Berman said specifically that you could see if people were, you know, sort of holding their breath or gasping during a certain scene or if people seemed bored you know, did a lot of people get up to use the bathroom at a certain time or did they not seem like they were focusing? And then you can use that to do a tighter edit on your film. But because of the pandemic, the only way they were able to get any kind of feedback was just to send it to sort of trusted friends and get the feedback after the fact. But it just really wasn't the same. Yeah, no, because I mean, your friends are never going to be as honest as a bunch of strangers who are like, I'm bored. Mm hmm. Uh huh. Uh Yeah, exactly. Interesting. I wonder, I wonder what would have changed had it gone through some things. I'd be curious to know that too. Because I do feel like, we'll get into this in our review, but this is a challenging movie to understand in some respects. Um, Mm -hmm. I agree. And I wonder if some test screenings would have been like, you need to make some of this stuff a little more clear. Yeah. So unfortunately, the two are not working on any more horror movies right now. They are currently directing more episodes of Succession, and they are in post-production on a movie that they wrote and directed called Party of the Century, which is a drama about a love story between an elevator operator and a Hollywood ingenue who both score tickets to Truman Capote's Black and White Ball. Huh. (laughs) So I know that's not really in your wheelhouse, other than the fact that potentially the fashion could be really great in it. But other than that... (laughs) Not I mean, I mean, Truman Capote is an interesting character, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, exactly. yeah. Okay. 
so yeah that's what i got and then right. like i said i'll have some more stuff once we get into spoilers awesome okay cool let's give our non-spoiler thoughts i'm gonna go first yes and then i'll it. let i'll let you go for it um to give your little voice a break thank you because i know sometimes when i've been talking for a while i'm like just someone else talk <laughs> <laughs> so this is a tough one because about 90 percent of this movie i really really like it reminds me a lot of the horror movies that I used to love to kind of discover on a rainy Sunday on Coffee TV 20 yes. when I was a kid from the uh-huh. 70s, like Burnt Offerings, Amityville Horror, yeah. Don't Look Now, and The Shining were all movies that I thought about a lot while I was watching this movie. And it's a kind of subgenre that I really enjoyed. The Changeling is another great example, like they said. And so to that end, for almost the entirety of this runtime, I was wondering, why is this movie divisive? I think this movie is good. And I think the movie is really gorgeous. The setting is pastoral and dreamy and creepy in the way that only rural settings can be, where it turns into isolation and sort of pulling back the veneer of the kind of darkness of this area that is so on its Mm -hmm. surface so beautiful i think this movie has quite a few really strong performances particularly james norton and also i really liked ria seahorn who plays justine yeah but she was really great it was great to see karen allen pop up in something i know i mean marion come on she's iconic so seeing her was a lot of fun I think the casting of this is is really interesting. Like you, I am compelled by a mystery. And a lot of this movie is about Catherine slowly exploring the mystery of her home. And let's just say the people around her. And the ghost story itself kind of is secondary to a lot of what is happening. And in this case, I really feel like it worked in the movie's favor because it's not relying on jump scares or ghostly things to entertain you. Mm -hmm. It's very focused in the melodrama of the relationship and what's happening in this marriage. It reminded me a bit of Kill List. Did you ever see that? Actually, I'm not sure if I have. Ugh, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Well, okay. I think probably it's going to be one of my picks this year, so we'll oh, get to it. Right. But it's it's very much a family drama until it isn't. And this movie gotcha. is the same way, where it's very much a family drama with some spooky stuff on the fringes until it isn't. But I think the biggest problem for me in the, this movie, without spoiling it, is the final act. Yeah. And I think it does a very good job of subverting your expectations. And so I give the movie credit for that. But the end didn't just, it just didn't work for me. I think some people are probably going to be really into it, especially if they have any awareness of what it's based on, which I'm excited to hear more about. Maybe it'll adjust my, it'll move the needle on my opinion. But yeah, so we'll talk about this more in spoilers. I found that it kind of undermined some of the themes that I was most invested in. Yeah. But we'll get into that. Yeah. So overall, I would say 99, 90% love this movie, 10% was disappointed by this movie okay (laughs) that seems fair i think i would maybe be a little bit more like 70 30 okay okay so there are parts of this movie that i truly enjoyed a lot i think that like you were saying it's a beautiful setting and the side characters 
I was really interested in. I think there are so many good actors in this movie and there are all these sort of quirky characters that live in this town that she becomes sort of acquainted mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. that I, I found them fascinating and really interesting. But there are also some things that I didn't like about it too. I mean, I, I did really enjoy the mystery element mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. and the fact that over time you're sort of slowly uncovering how to say this without spoiling it it's hard multiple <laughs> mysteries multiple mysteries about the people around her like you were saying and uh-huh. i found that the stuff about her marriage falling apart was really interesting too but i think that this movie i know that you were saying you enjoyed the way that the ghost story was woven together mm-hmm. with all of the other stuff I personally didn't think it worked as well for me, the mm-hmm. ghost elements. And I don't really think this is a horror movie, actually. I think it's much more Ooh. of a drama. I'll disagree with you there, but that's yeah? totally... Yeah, I mean, in, uh, yeah, I would say yeah. Like this, this reminded me a lot of something like Burnt Offerings. It's not overtly mm. a horror movie, but it, it's a horror movie. Yeah, and I mean, I know that they reference Don't Look Now, too, which I guess maybe you could claim that, too. I just think that the the sort of tension in those movies and the creepy elements were stronger than I found them to be. Oh, get. I'm not saying that this is on the same level as The Shining. Okay. But I think it's the same kind of horror movie. Mm, okay. Is it as, right. Does it do as good a job? No, but I would still categorize it as a horror movie. Yeah. Okay. No, I take your I'm point. talking genre only, not <laughs> I found this movie scary. Because I don't actually think this movie is very scary. No. I think it's it more interesting that it is scary. But I would still definitely call it a horror movie. But that's, it's subjective. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is my opinion. I am not the grand arbiter <laughs> of horror. I'm the one horror fan that does not believe they are the grand hor- arbiter okay. of what is horror. That's just in my opinion. So, yeah, like I said, there were some things that I really enjoyed about this. I agree that finding this on a Sunday afternoon, it could be a very enjoyable watch. But I don't know that I would go out of my way to recommend it to somebody because I think that there are certain elements in this movie that just didn't work. And I think, like you were saying, it really falls short in that final act. And there are some things about what happened in the final act that actually made me a little angry. So (laughs) (laughs) I can can understand those feelings that you're expressing. Yes. Yeah. You haven't seen Promising Young Woman, so you don't know what angry is. But (laughs) (laughs) But I definitely can identify with where you're coming from. Okay, cool, cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. So with that, those are our non-spoiler thoughts. We're going to spoil this thing now. Yes, we are. So if we have swayed you one way or the other with our review and you've decided, nope, need to see it first. This is your chance to dip. It's on Netflix. Put it in your eyes. Come on back. All right. I feel like I've spent enough time. Let's get into the spoilers. (laughs) So I'm going to start with the synopsis. And in case you're wondering, there are spoilers in the synopsis. So if you have not dipped, now's the time. Dip, dip, dip. All right. So. Things heard and seen. This is about a young couple, Catherine and George Clare, who move from Manhattan to the small town of Chosen, New York, with their daughter, Franny. They move there into an old historical farmhouse because George has gotten a job teaching art history at the university there. As it turns out, that house has a history of its own. And that history is husbands killing their wives. But of course, George keeps that from Catherine in the first of 
many things that he is keeping from her. <laughs> yes, so many things. Oh, so, although I loved those that reveal Me at Thanksgiving. Too. I was like, yes. <gasps> Holy oh shit. Yes. <laughs> That's one of the best parts of the movie, honestly. Agree. Agree. <laughs> At first, they seem like a pretty happy couple. There's some cracks you see, like the fact that she's essentially giving up her whole life to support him and that she has an eating disorder, which I don't know. We'll talk about that. But as they continue to live together, the cracks start to appear at the same time, Catherine begins seeing this ghostly presence in her house. There are lights and then some jewelry and then someone appears. And rather than believe her, George dismisses everything she's saying that she can see or the, in the case of their bedroom, what she can smell. And she's pretty alone in this for a while until she finds an ally in the form of his boss, who is someone who is a believer in... Um, it has to do with this artist that you're going to tell us more about. But he ends up holding a seance at her house and reveals that there is not just one, but two spirits. One of them is helpful and attracted to her and one that is evil and will be attracted to evil. But as long as no one's evil, everything should be fine. This is a horror movie. So I'm guessing you can figure out what happens next. <laughs> so Catherine makes friends with another professor named Judith and the two start attending women's lib meetings together. Yep. And George, on the other hand, is the absolute fucking worst. So he has an affair with a local girl named Willis. He's generally a creep with everyone. There's a part where he holds Judith's hands that make me want to stab his eyes. Ugh. Yeah. Over time, more and more of this true his true nature is revealed, including that he is a total fucking fraud. And when the walls start closing in on him, as people start to realize the truth about him, he turns to murder and attempted murder, including again these are spoilers, people that he ends up murdering Catherine. But don't worry, she gets the last <laughs> laugh because it turns out that all the women who lived in that house that were murdered by their husbands team up and send george to hell the end yeah yep <laughs> <That's what ends. laughs> you want me to go first or do you want to go first no you can go first if you want all right there's like i said a lot of things that i really liked about this movie i'm gonna start with the things that i like i think it has a really fresh take on a supernatural mythology i think it's really cool learning that this is essentially real uh, I mean, based on something real as opposed to something that's just movie or book invention. And I like that this mythology kind of subverts all of the typical haunted house tropes by having Catherine not be afraid of the ghost, but rather feel connected to it and protected by it. So what ends up happening as a result of that is that it avoids all of these very stereotypical formulaic haunted house beats. And it leans instead into a more subtle kind of horror, something akin to Amityville or The Shining, where the haunting is not necessarily of the house, but of the villain and their escalating darkness. And basically the unraveling of the darkness that's already within them. Mm -hmm. I also like this movie, how it touches on, I, I don't, ultimately I don't, I feel like it fails this, but I appreciate that it explores, you know, it's kind of a women's live movie, you know, and that what this is talking about is this dissatisfaction that women had at facing this suburban life that they're expected. And I think that there was a lot of opportunity here. I wish that we had leaned further into that because yes. that's always something interesting. You know, she's trapped in a house full of women's spirits who were also trapped by patriarchy. Those are ideas that I think are interesting and, and I'm happy to mind. 
but it's also one of the reasons I wish this movie had ended really differently. Right. I know that the movie tells us that there's no difference between life and death and that death is just the beginning, but honestly, it just didn't feel that way. It was not satisfying. Yeah. But oh, sorry, <laughs> we'll definitely I'm... get into that in the cons. Okay. <laughs> All right. You're right. Back to positive. Back to positives. So I <laughs> like you. I love the local cast of characters. If anything, I wish there was more of that, more about them. I totally they were agree. really well cast, really interesting character actors. And you could feel the potential of the people in that town, whether it was the people at the seance or the people that came to the party or the kids that were working, you know, like the brothers that were working yeah. at her house. All of those people, they felt like they had the potential to be fully fleshed out people. And I kind of feel like they mostly just existed to give you red herrings mm-hmm. or to kind of push plot places, which is a shame because I I found myself very curious about them. Yeah, I totally agree with that because that's one of the things that I have on my pro list too, is just all of these side characters that are so interesting. I mean, yeah. the woman who works at the university, who, the woman who weaves sweaters and scarves. Judith. And yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really love Judith. She is great. And she feels like a real person and she's really interesting. Her husband is this pothead guy who has family money and is trying uh-huh. to maybe write the great American novel, but really just spends all of his time getting stoned and growing weed. I yeah. mean, he felt really great too. And, like yes. a real person and i wanted yes. to know more about them you're right the two boys are really interesting mm-hmm. and the guy who is really interested in spiritualism and his wife i mean all of these people were so interesting i almost wish the movie was more about them or there was like yeah. another movie just about these characters right it has that sort of quirky town feeling that usually is in kind of a series Right. To to introduce all, like, even the sheriff felt like a real person instead of just a sheriff character. You could feel the hidden depth of these characters and that any one of them could have been an important character. Right. And I think part of that is the casting, too, because they really cast pretty amazing actors. Actually, did you recognize this, the stoner guy from The Office? (laughs) Oh, 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 you mean the, the husband? Yeah. Okay, so I know him. I forgot he was in the office. I know him (laughs) as the voice of Dr. Venture. Oh. (laughs) And also as the weird foot fetish guy from Sex in the City. Yes, he was definitely the weird foot fetish guy. He was also (laughs) Dwight's really weird friend. That's perfect. Yeah, I mean, as you're saying it, it's coming back to me. I love him. Anytime I see him in something, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And that's what I'm saying. You've got a movie with Karen Allen and him and five other, Nancy from Stranger Things. And they all just feel like they came in for like two days of work. And I'm like, more please. But- In some ways, that's really good writing, right? Where the people feel like people. Yes. But it did leave me wanting more of those people, especially because our central character, Catherine, is so impenetrable. Yeah. And it's not Amanda Seyfried's fault. She's a great actor. There's just not a lot of there there. And so when everybody else feels very richly unique. It keeps taking your attention away. Yes. Because you're focused on them. To me, the most tense scenes... Some of the some of the most tense scenes were just these quiet moments between Judith and George. Yes. I talked about the thing about grabbing her wrists. That was really intense and scary. But also her, her interactions with him, like when she just calls him on his shit, essentially, and then gets when she gets on the bus to go with them to New York to Ooh, keep yeah. an eye on him, and yeah, then she's witness to everything that's going. I mean, that that sort of relationship between them, that push pull, that tension between them, was way more 
realize than even what was happening with George and Catherine. I, I think. 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's because Judith is the character we really want Catherine to evolve into and never does. Yeah. I think that that's... is actually a perfect way of putting it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because Catherine, in a, you're right that she's impenetrable. She's also a little flat. And I, yes, again, I guess impenetrable the... is a nice way of saying a little <laughs> flat. I think. <laughs> but we do know that this is the '80s, and she has moved from a big city where she clearly had a career because mm-hmm. we see her working on that mural in the church mm-hmm. as an art restorer. And now she's going to this smaller town where she doesn't know anybody. And really her job is to be the good wife to her professor husband so that he can excel in his job. And I just wish she would connect with her anger a little more. Right. Because what you want is her to go to these women's live meetings and have an awakening and become more like you were saying, evolve into Judith. But we never get anywhere with that. We're presented with the problem, but we're not. She never sort of works towards any sort of resolution. There's sparks of these moments. Yeah. But instead of taking it to a place of confrontation, she falls back into passive aggressiveness, which is probably right. more a more realistic and less wish fulfillment arc for this character. Yeah. But it also makes it a little, right. makes her a little flat. <laughs> right. And I think maybe you could you could get away with that if there had been ways to make her character more fully realized and more interesting. Cause she really, this isn't my cons, but like she doesn't really have a personality. So. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Back to pros. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> this movie looks great. Oh uh, yeah. It looks yes. fantastic. It, mm-hmm. I, like I said in my non-spoiler review, I love the way it calls back to this late 70s, early 80s Americana, both in yeah. the beauty, but also in the darkness that hides underneath and the tension of that time, right? Where there's, we're still coming out of this era of Susie Homemaker. I mean, obviously things are changing, but you know how usually the decade after the decade something is known for is when it actually percolates into culture? Yes. So sure, people were into women's lib, you know, earlier in the 70s and late 60s. But I don't know that it really hit the mainstream until the 80s, right? To some degree. Yeah. And I and so it it makes sense that there's this tension here where the husband is of one generation and the wife is becoming another generation. Granted, as we discussed, this doesn't actually happen for her. But the tension is there. <laughs> it's, it's presented to us to some degree. I liked that a lot. And... I really liked, I know you didn't love the ghost story, but I love the way that the ghosts were actually presented. I like the ethereal sort of light that's leading her things. That's something that people talk about. Mm -hmm. In the same way you were saying the book is based on, or the movie's mythology is kind of based on this mythology by this this, uh, artist or whatever. Those lights are something that people talk about when they're having hauntings. Right. The other thing I really liked was when we actually saw the ghost, we've seen a ghost presented in lots of different ways, some more successful than others. This one I liked because it looked like an old-timey photo made Mm -hmm. 3D. She never really looked like she was there, but she also wasn't see-through. It was just almost like a projection of an old-timey photo. Yeah. I really liked that. that. And then, obviously, I thought the face in the tablecloth was really creepy in the seance. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I did like that. I don't know if you did, but I thought it was legitimately creepy. <laughs> I'm guessing you did not by your mm-hmm. But it worked for moi, and that's all I can say. So yeah, okay. those are the things about the movie that I did like quite a bit. I, I really liked most of this movie. Okay. All right, your turn. Say nice things. <laughs> <laughs> I will say nice things because, like I said, there was a lot. You know, I said 70-30. There's a lot I liked about this movie. <laughs> you have touched on quite a few of them. But, you know, again, I think the acting is really solid all around. Everybody is believable as the characters that they are. And I think that even though Amanda Seyfried is not given a fully realized character, there are scenes where her eyes just sell it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's a good actor. She really is. And apparently the author actually was envisioning her when she wrote the character interesting she saw that and so the directors found amanda seyfried and were presented her to the author like what do you think of this do you think she'll work in this role and she was like oh my god that's exactly who i pictured so it sort of worked out that way wow so tell me some of the spoilery stuff that you couldn't tell me yeah sorry so just really quickly the book is based on both a personal experience of the author as well as a true story oh i didn't know that okay yeah So there was the stuff about the artist and the spiritualist, and she included that in the book, but there's also other stuff that it was based on. So apparently, Brundage actually had an experience where her family rented a home in upstate New York, and she had two young daughters who I think were three and six years old at the time. And apparently, they started telling her stories about ghosts that they were seeing of three little girls who lived in the house and had died in a fire. And she would see them talking to these ghosts. And yeah, which is really freaky. If you saw your three-year-old talking to a ghost, I feel like that would be pretty upsetting. But apparently the stories that they were telling her about these ghosts were way beyond sort of what you would think of kids coming up with at that age if they were just inventing it. Apparently they talked about how there was this old mill down the road that had tainted water and just all of this stuff that kids wouldn't really have the ability to know about even wow and her youngest daughter would even laugh at things that brundage couldn't see but she started to sort of feel the presence when this would happen and then neighbors told her that the house that they bought that they were living in was haunted and that the prior owner had even left and sold the house because of the haunting (laughs) yeah and then okay this is really weird i don't know if i buy this but Apparently, her printer started printing out a skull made out of the word boo over and over again. I mean, well, your DVD player is insane. <laughs> and this was prior to the internet, too. Oh, so that's creepy. Yeah. So having these experiences in this house made her sort of open herself up to the possibility of ghosts and also the possibility that maybe ghosts weren't always kind of an evil force but there could be sort of goodness there too so the other thing that it was based on is actually the 1982 murder of kathleen krasenik i'm not sure if i'm saying that name right she was a woman who was actually found dead in her bedroom with an axe in her head while her three-year-old daughter was alive elsewhere in the house and had been alone with her for hours and so brundage sort of became really interested in this idea of 
a daughter being alone while something so traumatic had happened to her mother. Oh, I mean, that's awful. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but that's why I didn't want to share it because yeah, no, that's that's great context. But you're right; that's pretty spoilery. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so do you have any more pros before we get into yes. some things that didn't okay. work? Okay, cool. So, like you were saying, I really love the idea of this creepy house movie set in such a beautiful area. I mean, the location is so sun drenched most of the time, mm-hmm. and light and airy and beautiful. And then there's this sort of quiet darkness inside the actual house. And I think that really worked as an atmosphere. I really appreciated that. I didn't feel as positively as you did about the ghost stuff, but I do agree that there's good atmosphere in this movie and that clearly these directors know what they're doing because it does look really great and very polished. Mm -hmm. The thing that I enjoyed most about this movie, I think, is when we start getting into the territory of learning more and more about the husband. Yes, that is definitely true. Yes. Because I think what's so interesting is he starts out, you're not in love with this guy right right (laughs) i mean he seems kind of like a little bit controlling and sort of a 80s dude way you know yeah just sort of chauvinisty yeah exactly yes like run-of-the-mill chauvinist right but nothing overtly terrible you know right and then you start seeing him shift to being this sort of flirty professor who clearly has had affairs with maybe students in the past and then you see him be a shitty husband and have actual an actual affair. And then slowly you get to learn more about how he's a total fraud, like you were saying, and Ugh. that he <laughs> has murdered people. And so I think that that is, for me, the best part of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that James Norton does do a good job of selling that, you know, where he can kind of turn on the charm for people. But then you mm-hmm. see that there's something darker underneath that. Mm-hmm. It almost had kind of a talented Mr. Ripley vibe a little bit. Uh-huh. I can see that. I was thinking a lot about Rosemary's Baby. But yes, yeah, talented Mr. Ripley is another one where it's the husband who's putting his own ambitions and needs first. Yeah, and also just the guy taking over somebody else's identity and then having to kill people to sort of oh, keep Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Because like you were saying, that dinner party scene with his parents where you learn that these paintings that he's always kept in his office were in fact his cousins who died in a quote-unquote sailboat accident (sighs) and it's just that's when you have that aha moment you're like oh shit he murdered his cousin (laughs) oh damn and then basically took his talent for his own you know when she's like i don't know what happened to those paintings and you, you just and you see, see it yeah. yes you see it I, cross her face is like oh where she has that realization it, it's yes. a good little piece of i actually like too. the look on his face where he's just yes like, oh fuck she knows oh, yeah fuck. and he's just filled with shame and like oh mm-hmm. fuck oh fuck yeah yep Yep, and yep, then yep, the work yep, yep. he has to do to kind of keep everything secret too you know mm-hmm. and he just has to keep going farther and farther so, yeah, that's probably my my favorite part of the whole movie. Yeah, I also good. think that there is a lot of interesting stuff about the way that their marriage starts to fall apart, where she's finding out that she doesn't really know her spouse at all. Yes. And I think that it does a decent job, too, of showing the subtler ways abuse can look like in a, in a marriage, you yes. know, where he's 
I mean, obviously he gets physical towards the end. But... Uh, yeah. <laughs> but before that happens, it's really just he's isolating her. He's controlling her. He's using her eating disorder as a way to manipulate her. He's keeping secrets from her. All of these sort of subtler things, gaslighting yeah. her. Oh, gaslighting know? for sure. Yes. So I, I liked that, too, because I think that they do a good job with it. All right. We got to talk about cons. <laughs> I'm going to go first. Yeah, go for it. Because <laughs> uh, I don't think I have as many as you. And so I'll just I'll okay. just knock out mine and then we'll get into yours. Okay. okay. So, Catherine, we've talked about this a little bit already. It, it, she's a tricky one for me. I always want to root for our female protagonist. And the fact is, I love Amanda Seyfried. I know. And I so hard. that goes a long way. She has enough cachet in my heart to make me invested in her. And I do think that they hint at some depths with this character, like her unfulfilled talent, her struggles with her eating disorder, which I was kept trying to contextualize thematically and really never got there. Yeah. Her burgeoning feminism. These are all things that made me want to root for her. But ultimately, I always felt like she was kind of always on the edge, on the verge of something. And I think there is a great feminist story waiting to be told about her. So it was really hard to just never see her make that connection and fully break out of the passive aggressiveness. She never embraced her power and... To see her literally get cut down after that was hard. And then Mm -hmm. it was definitely not satisfying for me to see her get her, you know, posthumous solidarity, let's say. Yes. Uh (laughs) Yeah, I really I really needed to see Catherine with the axe or at the very least, I needed to have her hiding in the bathroom successfully. All of the shining. I to kill Catherine. To me, I understand that in some ways it's serving the themes of life only being a part of the journey and that even if somebody doesn't get their comeuppance in this life, they'll get it in the next. I get that that's one of the overriding themes of the story. I just don't find it that satisfying. No. And and I think there were competing themes in this movie. And the theme that I was most invested in was the one that got the shaft. Because we had ser- we served this theme instead. Yeah, I totally agree. Honestly, the ending is my biggest con too. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was as I watched this, I said this already. I kept going like, "Why is this movie divisive?" Maybe right. some people think it's slow, but I don't know. I find the two mysteries to be pretty compelling. I want to know about the house and the history of the house. I mean, just because I like a good haunted house ghosty story. Then on top of it, we get into all the stuff about who is her husband really. And the way that those things were revealed were really compelling to me. And I hadn't thought counted Mr. Ripley, but you're right. It scratches that same sort of itch, right? Where you're solving the mystery of a person. So I was like, this thing's got to fall apart at the end. And then it kind of did. That final act really undercut, which what was up until that point, a movie that I was getting very excited to recommend to people. And, you know, percentage wise, it's still pretty good. (laughs) But that final in that, I mean, it's, yeah, I just, I'm, I don't know if I can get on board with this women getting their revenge after they're dead thing that's popping up this year. Yeah, it's. 
definitely not my favorite. No. So the stuff like you were saying, the talented Mr. Ripley kind of mystery part of it, I was getting more and more excited as we were getting to the final climax of the movie because I yeah. was so invested in that part of it. And then to me, it just totally fell apart at the end. Yeah. Because I think that this movie is attempting to have a feminist message, but then does, I think it fails at it ultimately. Yeah. This is for all the people that are like caping for promising young woman i'm like that is not a feminist movie (laughs) i'm gonna have to see that eventually i mean Um, i guess (laughs) it's just people keep referencing it everywhere yeah yeah but i think that the problem is is that it gets so muddied okay so i can even get on board maybe with the idea of a woman being sort of emotionally abused and gaslit by her husband and then ultimately dying at the end if it's in service of the goal of showing you how bad the sort of misogynistic patriarchal society that we live in really is and sort of shining a light on that maybe but I actually don't think this movie does that really Mm -hmm. and so for me it just totally falls apart because it felt like at the end there was all this stuff about the ghosts kind of coming together to help her but they all still die, right? Every woman still dies. They don't help her until after she's already been axed to death by her husband, you know? I am not compelled by martyrs. No, and that's, yes, that's exactly it. Because, yeah, yeah, that doesn't work for me. And her getting his just desserts afterwards because he dies after she's already been murdered... It just, I don't really care for that. <laughs> and yeah. I think that there can be a way to show sort of injustices without maybe taking it that far. Because it just didn't feel right to me. And I don't think the movie actually said enough to sort of earn that kind of an ending. And I'm just at a point where I'm not sure how much I want to see that women have to be the martyr to a cause to the point where she has to give up her life in order for him to face consequences. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that statement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm ready to move past that as a trope. Do I have respect for people who put their lives on the line for things and who have died for the cause? Of course I do in real life, but as a trope in a film, I don't think it's saying what you think it's saying. You know what I mean? That's exactly it. Yeah. I think it would take an extraordinary story to make that feel like a feminist win. Yeah. I also think there's something that's maybe that's different about fighting for a cause you believe in and ultimately, unfortunately, losing your life in that fight than what happened in this movie. Yeah. It's much more passive. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah, I guess maybe that's that's the big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Is that she's not fighting for a cause. She just dies. Dies. And then we're like, but don't worry. Her yeah. murdered because sisterhood is there to die. wake someone yeah. out of a coma. Although, God, I love Justine. Man, she's a great yeah. character. She's she is a, great, a really character. great character. We need a movie just about her. Honestly. I love the, the, even just the post that Nodi gets. She's like, uh, remember yeah. me? I am awake <laughs> and I remember everything. I was just yep. like, machine gun of middle fingers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Did you have any other cons? Nope. 
I think that kind of covers it. I think between the two of us, we got it covered. So overall, what's your, what's your thoughts on the movie? Recommend, not recommend. Yeah. I mean, for me, there were just, there were things that I really liked, but ultimately I was left wanting at the end and Mm -hmm. actually a little bit angry. And I think that, you know, the ghost stuff I know really worked well for you. It worked less well for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that there were some, cool interesting things with the side characters and the spiritualist stuff but ultimately it felt a little tacked on to the Mm -hmm. plot you know and not sort of fully realized even though this movie is i think two hours long Mm -hmm. so i just yeah i'm i'm not sure that i would recommend it to anybody honestly that's fair yeah for me it's a my reasoning is a little different okay i think if this movie removed all of the women's lib stuff from it and it was just straight up if it didn't have the feminist stuff in it, it would be mm-hmm. easier for me to recommend. Yeah. Because then it's just kind of like a fucked up ghost story, right? Well, it feels like a bait and switch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would feel a little bit like I was sucker punching my friends with this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so that makes it harder for me to recommend. So it's not that I mind a grim ending. I love a grim fucked up ending. It's that I feel like this movie says it's one kind of thing and then pulls the rug out out from under you in a way that is not like, ooh, you subverted my expectations, but like, ooh, that was a unfair low blow. Right. Which sucks because 90% of this movie is really, in my opinion, pretty freaking good. Mm-hmm. And I really, really wanted to love and recommend this movie, but I just feel like it would be hard for me to recommend it. It's not, yeah. I, I mean, like, I could recommend it with a bunch of caveats so that people didn't feel tricked when they watched it. But at that point, is it really a recommendation? I don't right. know. Right. At that point, why aren't you just recommending a different movie? Yeah. It's not a bad movie. No. It's just. I have seen far worse. Way and I've seen worse. worse even this year. So. But yeah, I just, but yeah, I think, I think we've said it all. Yep. Okay. <laughs> So that is pretty much it. If you had some thoughts about this movie or there was a better version of this movie you think we should see, or maybe we missed the whole point and it's actually the best movie, whatever the case may be, drop us a line at rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page or hit us up on Twitter at ZG Podcast or on Instagram at ZG Podcasts, plural. If you enjoy the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. If you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar on the Zombie Girls website. If you are a nerd who likes video games, follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash zombie girls. And if you want to impress the ladies and the gents and the peeps in between, you should get yourself some Zombie Girls merch, some more deadly merch. And you can do that at tpublic.com forward slash zombie dash girls dash podcast and finally if you love the show and you want to support us you should do so on patreon and let me tell you why first of all all of the episodes are extended today we're going to be talking about basically we're going to do a we're going to touch bases and talk about the year in review so far we're halfway through the year Seems like a perfect time to talk about where we think we're at, where we think we're headed, all that kind of stuff. What's working, what's not working, yada, yada. But not only that, if you subscribe at, I think, the $3 a month level, 
you get on our discord and that is where shit is really going down like (laughs) we want you to come hang out with us on social media but if you want the real tea if you want to be family and get to see all the stuff we talk about you should join so that you can hang out with us on discord it is a ton of fun we have a lot of really funny fun people on there lots of memes lots of talking shit (laughs) also really fun events like for instance we're doing some group watches this month we've got a bunch of them on the calendar um and only people in the patreon know about it so yeah and it's we've done a couple so far and Mm -hmm. they've been really 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 fun yeah (laughs) because you get to watch the movie with us and group chat at the same time and it was very funny (laughs) (laughs) we did one uh this wasn't technically ours but we did a tammy and the t-rex last week oh my gosh was chef's kiss and we've got three planned this month so you should definitely hop on the patreon hop on the discord if you are a patron and you're not on the discord what are you doing come hang out with us it's fun we're on there it's active every day we're always on there goofing around so enough plugging the patreon let's talk about our plans for the next episode so it's my turn again and I picked a movie that is coming out, I think this week, actually, called Censor, directed by Prano Bailey Bond. I'm so looking forward to this one. Me too. Yes. Me too. So I have to confess, I have not seen a lot of Giallo. So I feel like I have to do a little bit of homework to prep for this. But I've been really looking forward to this ever since I think it premiered at like Fantasia Fest or something. I was like, oh, I want to put my eyeballs on that. And I'm very excited that it is coming out very soon. And we are going to be reviewing it. So oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So here is the synopsis. After viewing a strangely familiar video nasty, Enid, a film censor, sets out to solve the past mystery of her sister's disappearance, embarking on a quest that dissolves the line between fiction and reality. That sounds really good. Right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. So for those of you who are playing along at home, check out Censor, and we'll be back in two weeks to talk about it. Unless you are sticking around for the extended episode, that is it for today. Ariel. Take us out. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of the More Deadly Podcast. We hope you liked our review of Things Heard and Seen, even if we didn't maybe enjoy the film as much as you did. And uh, I guess we'll catch you next time with Censor. That's all she wrote. Bye, guys. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to my co-host and good friend, Ariel, for always teaching me something new. Production on this episode was done by yours truly and edited by Ariel. Our theme song for the show is More Deadly by DJ Sharp.